doing a runway show tonight as well. And it's really cool because I've got to talk with some of the other artists that are here, uh, you know, women that work with uh, native furs and things like that. And so we're actually going to be working together on a couple looks. That's fashion designer Madison Laren, owner of Laren Designs. We met her back in April 2019 at the Arctic Encounter Symposium, an annual event that brings together Arctic leaders, policymakers, innovators, and artists. Our booth was right next to hers, so naturally we got to talking and learned a lot about her and her business. And what we found out was that Laren is of Norwegian descent. A lot of her customers are brides who want to wear elaborate, one-of-a-kind gowns that draw inspiration from their unique cultures and, in some cases, use heritage fabrics passed down to them by their mothers or grandmothers. As she explained this, Laren said something that really struck us. It's storytelling with fabric and thread. We had never thought about it that way, but once she said that, it made perfect sense. We realized then that we needed to devote an episode to the women telling stories of the Arctic through fashion. So we spoke to three fashion designers about their work and the challenges they face as female entrepreneurs. One of our first questions, how did they get into fashion? The answer, after the break. You're listening to Think Arctic. I'm your guest host, Morgan Dushotko, filling in for Holly Noland. Before the break, we asked how our guests got into fashion in the first place. For Madison Laren, it's in the blood. It was always a woman's task, and it wasn't like a belittled woman's task. It was something important, you know, like the Viking ships. Those sails would take one person four years to make, as far as, you know, weaving the thread and, and spinning it and doing all those things. So it was a very important task that they did. Laren says her family's love of knitting, weaving, and sewing has been passed down through the generations. Her great-grandmother used to work for Dale, a big Norwegian sweater company. My great-grandmother thought that Canada had no electricity when they moved from Norway, so she brought a foot-powered sewing machine across on the boat with her. So, you know, it goes back quite a ways. Laren's family wasn't the only one to immigrate from Norway to Canada. Ranva Simonsen, owner of Ranva Designs, also traces her roots back to Norway. Her mother is Norwegian, so as a child, Simonsen spent most of her summers in Norway. The rest of the year, she lived with her family on the Faroe Islands. As she described it to us, her childhood in the Faroe Islands was pretty idyllic. She recounted hiking with her father in the mountains after school and tending the family's sheep and learning to sew from her mother. My mom had like a sewing machine where you make it go with your hand. I don't remember how old I was when I tried that and threaded it and, and sewed little dresses for my doll and my grandmother she was pretty eager seamstress and uh, she would sew Christmas presents for all the eight grandkids and I would always like to watch her. Siemensen dreamed of studying design in Denmark but she didn't get in at that time so she had to come up with a new plan and ended up going to architecture school. This period of her life has nothing to do with fashion, but it is important to understanding who Siemensen is and what she values. As an architect, she focused on environmentally friendly building projects. Think eco-villages and organic factories and a solar experimentarium. She spends years building up this business, being a successful architect in Denmark, and then something happens. She goes through a bad breakup. So Siemensen has to make a decision. Stay in Denmark 
or start over? I had a chance to go to Canada and uh, after a very serious consideration, I decided to go to Canada. Well, before that, um, I was volunteering at an experimental theater in Oldborg in Denmark, making costumes. So when she relocates her family to Iqaluit, Canada in 1997, she starts what is essentially her second act as an Arctic fashion designer. One of the unintended benefits of this change is that she encounters a lot less sexism than she did when she was an architect. And nobody asked me if I, what I knew about it. There was no skepticism like it there was when I worked with this builder. I remember when I made the first coat, I sold it before it was finished. And I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I said, this guy wanted to buy it for his wife. And he really liked it. And I said, are you sure? Yes. This is how Siemensen grows her design business. Establishing a local customer base, reaching new customers through word of mouth, and eventually opening an online store. In the process, she starts scaling production, hiring employees to sew the garments, while she focuses more on product development. I am inspired by the details of the functions of clothing that's been made in here and in other cold climates. Like in building, there's energy and heat that has to be <laughs> kept inside. So parkas have fringes or fur on the cuffs and on the hem often. And they're not just to look nice, they're actually to stop the wind from blowing inside. So Siemensen's designs are both elegant and functional, and utilize traditional regional materials, including fur and sealskin. Most sealskin in the region is a byproduct of traditional hunting practices. After the seal is eaten, the skin is typically thrown away or used in clothing. I like to encourage um, to utilize them also because they're the best for the cold, the most uh, slender and uh, slim material you can use for optimal insulation. Now I also like beaver for example first that uh, pieces of fur that are sewn together so leftover pieces sort of like trash that was ready to be thrown away but sewn together into new uh, bigger piece material that then has a beautiful blend of uh, shades or colors on the hairy soft side and on the back side it looks like a landscape with the seams like when you're flying and you look down over a landscape it kind of looks like that. For Siemensen, Arctic fashion isn't just about warmth and beauty it's also about empowering women and the indigenous peoples of the Arctic. In 2006, Siemensen founded Sewing for Survival, a socioeconomic sewing program that empowers indigenous women by providing them a means of utilizing their traditional skills in the context of a business. The Sewing for Survival line of products includes caps, keychains, brooches, baby slippers, and more. Alice Bioff is another fashion designer drawing on indigenous practices and cultures. Biaf started her first business, Tundra Tea, in 2008.
that got started through a conversation with a friend. We were having coffee and we were, we're both mothers and we were talking about our language and our culture and, and wanting to share that a little bit more with, with our kiddos. So we came up with this idea of creating t-shirts that shared our, our traditions and our language. After eight years, the Tundra Tea business grew too large for Alice to continue operating on her own. So she sold the equipment in 2016 and started looking for her next business opportunity. That same year, a cruise ship came to Nome. I was hired as a tour guide by Nome Discovery Tours. And um, as the passengers were disembarking from the ship, I was greeting folks in. And this couple had come up and they had seen me wearing uh, my look. Let's pause for a second to explain what the atikluk is. This is another word for kaspak, a traditional style of coat with a very distinct pocket and trim. And they were really admiring the the garment and the gentleman asked, you know, do those come uh, in a waterproof material? And a light went off. Biaf immediately began working on what became her second business, Natak Gear an Arctic wear company devoted to sharing the culture of the Arctic through fashion. With this new business, Biaf focuses on updating traditional indigenous garments with modern materials. The first garment she reimagines is the Kuspuk. When she finishes the design that winter, she names it after her uncle, Atmik. Uh, what's unique about the Atmik jacket is um, that it also has zipper pockets. A lot of the uh, cuspucks that are made with cloth material, and even before modern materials like cotton, uh, ati looks were made, you know, waterproof with silgut, with traditional waterproof stitching. I've heard stories uh, from in our community where the barges made their way up to northwest Alaska bringing supplies, and then there, uh, the ladies saw that the flower sacks were made with these beautiful cotton bags floral patterns, striped patterns, and they started using that cotton bag material to make the, the cuspuck. So there's there's a long, rich history between um, behind the, the cuspuck. There was just one problem, the modern production process. And I knew I didn't have the, you know, of course, the manufacturing uh, capability here in Nome being located where we're at. So went online and started researching, uh, looking for uh, a company that would be able to help with this process and eventually I did find one and thank goodness for internet GCI internet shout out to GCI the sponsor of this podcast with a little help from the internet and funding from an angel investor who provided $20,000 in capital Biaf found a manufacturing partner and started production on the Atmic the first one was produced in April 2019 well before the first sale it was really important to to recognize and honor, you know, the friends and family that supported me, you know, through the four years of developing the Atmik. And I made sure to give the first Atmiks away to all my aunts and, of course, to my first Auntie Carol, who is the wife of my uncle Atmik, who was originally from St. Lawrence Island, from Gamble. And he lived out there. He was a great hunter and provider. So I made sure that his wife got uh, an atmic first. Biaf then went on to make her first atmic sale at the same symposium where we met Madison Lauren. 
Since then, her team has been hard at work developing two new products, which she hopes to share with the world soon. For Beoff, fashion is a great way to share her indigenous culture. We saw that through, you know, our Tundra Tea, you know, t-shirt designs. You know, folks would ask, oh, what does Uhuruk mean? And that opened a comfortable uh, discussion around, oh, Uhuruk, that's, you know, bearded seal. And we use the seal oil when we eat our native food. And the same goes with the Utmik. You know, folks see the design, they're not familiar with it. Oh, that's a... a beautiful jacket, you know, what is that design? And that kind of opens up that conversation about the, the history of the Cuspuk and how, you know, our Cuspuk, you know, depending on where you're at in Alaska, you know, you there are different characteristics of the Cuspuk. If you see a hood made a certain way, you could tell that, you know, it's a man or a woman from a distance. Or um, if there's ribbon at the bottom of the skirt, you, you could tell that it's from St. Lawrence Island. And that's the true power of Arctic fashion. Its ability to introduce people to the unique cultures and peoples of the Arctic and tell their stories with needle and thread. If you would like to learn more about the fashion designers featured in this episode, check out the links in the description and find them on social media. Thanks for listening. This podcast is powered by GCI, the premier Arctic telecommunications company. You can find our regular podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Spotify, and elsewhere. If you like what you hear, let us know by leaving a review on iTunes. For now, I'm your guest host, Morgan Duchotko, and this is Think Arctic. Oh,